Welcome to episode three of Read, Eat, Repeat. A place where Sally and I talk about books and food. My name's Alyssa Warren. A bit about me, I'm a mum of four and worked as a journalist for many years, mostly at Channel 9 and a bit at Mamma Mia. At the moment, I'm studying a master's to be an English teacher. And a bit about me, uh, Sally. I worked as a journalist and in PR, mainly for corporates and then for charities like the Australian Wildlife Conservancy and School for Life Foundation. I have three kids and my youngest, Harry, has a chronic illness, which means he is usually attached to my hip. Lovely, Harry. How old's <laughs> Harry now? He's four. Aww. One more year till he goes to school. Aww. We live four streets apart and between us we have seven kids, two dogs, Cabby and Daisy are our beautiful dogs and we love bringing a bit of country life to our very city life. Last year we went for a weekly walk and shared only things that made us really happy in a pretty ordinary year. Uh, we swapped book recos and recipes. And we didn't want it to end so we're making this podcast with input from our little community of friends and family who are also book lovers and food makers. So each episode, we're going to share a review of one of the latest fiction releases, mostly from Australian authors, and then we're going to road test the food cooked by the characters within the book. Yeah, yum. Now, you don't have to have read the book to feel at home here. This chat is as much about food, family and friendship as it is about the book. For example, today we're talking about Hannah Kent's devotion and we're going to chat about Belinda Jeffries' A Year of Sundays and a couple of recipes that Sal and I have road tested because we're obsessed with that book. I quite It's so beautiful. And some other eats and reads that have brought sunshine to our week. But first of all, let's talk about devotion. Oh, my gosh. So Hannah Kent is one of my favourite authors. This is her third book. She's an Australian author, but this is actually the first book that is partially set in Australia, so mm. only about the third of the book is. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to talk a bit about her history because I think it's really important because mm-hmm. she's written three books and they're all set in the 1820s and 30s. Wow. So the first one, Burial Rights, was about the last woman hanged in Iceland and she wrote about this book because she was on an exchange to Iceland as a 17-year-old, ended up doing um, her PhD on this and then wrote this book. So it is such a beautifully researched historical mm. novel. Wow. Um, her second book was The Good People, which has a lot of mystery and witchcraft in it, which I love reading about those, like a lot of spells that she's made from herbs. Um, and then Devotion is it's actually a queer love story um, and it's set in Prussia in 1839 and then it's on a voyage to Australia and um, then set in South Australia. Right. And it's been on the bestseller list for weeks. So it must be good. So I would, at some stages I was reading it and thinking it was more like poetry than Mm. a novel. It was so beautifully written. Do you want me to read you out a little bit? Yeah, I'd love to. So... um, This is when they're on on the ship and this doesn't give anything away, but the whale song grew louder. I felt the tremble of it through the water. I felt the song strike the ship, felt the wood carry the notes, felt the ripple in the beams along the, uh, until the song reached our bunk. Mm. The fibres of the woolen blanket carried the whale cry into my body and then I was the song. I was the tremble. I was the cry. The whale was in me. It inhabited me. My blood turned to song water and my heart stopped to listen. Oh, wow. I know. So clever. That is so beautiful. This was a book that kept me up at night and 
I could not predict what was going to happen. In fact, at some stages, I was so shocked about what did happen. Mm. And then, um, you know, I sobbed in parts of it. It was just so devastating, but also so beautiful. And it captured... um, Do you cry a lot in books? I don't. That's important to know. No, I really don't. right. I'm not a crier. No. Um, I don't cry in life and I... (laughs) Don't yes, you cry too. <laughs> I never all the time. cry ever. You're actually. I feel like it's the opposite. I think you want to not be a crier. <laughs> I'm a crier. But you are. I'm a massive crier, <laughs> especially when I'm tired. I might cry today, um, but <laughs> but generally you're not a book crier. So no. I've I actually just cried. Um, Maybe that's in a, a lie too. Maybe I am a crier. Do you? Yeah, in I books? cried in Where the Crawdads Sing. Same. Yeah. I think everyone did. I just cried in the um, Love Stories by Trent Dalton, which did we'll you? talk about next week, oh. which I don't often. I cried in that Lighthouse book, The Light Between Oh, yeah, Oceans. I cried in that too. Sobbed. Okay, I, yes, That same. was probably one of the first books that I was like had tissues out. and yeah. Ugly crying. Okay, I ugly cried in this book. Really? So much so that my pillow was wet. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to re-answer that. I am a crier. <laughs> Right in this book. It's so beautiful. I loved it. Now we bumped into each other and you um last yeah. week and you were like, Yeah, it was really good. And now I'm a bit ho hum it. You weren't yeah, yet finished. So there was a point in it that um it's so it is still a historical novel, but it also becomes quite supernatural. Oh, okay. So um a bit like you know, it reminded me of The Lovely Bones by Alice Seabold oh, right. yeah. and also even Wuthering Heights, mm. um, Emily Bronte. And it so it, there are some supernatural elements in it and sometimes the love declarations I felt got a little bit too much. Like I was like, oh, come on. Yeah. No one loves like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but maybe just not you. Maybe just not me. <laughs> And it's also, um, I actually love the religion in it, the rituals. Mm. So um, it's a group of the old Lutherans. Oh, um, Lutherans. Lutherans, yeah. Um, Right, okay. And so they're actually persecuted in Prussia. And so they escape persecution and come to Australia and then they become, Mm. you know, Into South South Australia, right. Yeah, which I didn't know much about, but Hanneken is from um, this region. And so it does mention some um, of the local uh, Aboriginal, the Permanyak tribe there, but it doesn't go into too much detail, um, which they probably could, but because she's a white author, maybe she doesn't want to go. Mm. Um, It might not be respectful to talk about that much but it was I thought it was handled well um on the page the food in the book Mm. was really interesting because for the first third I was the only thing it mentioned was pickled pork right which pickled pork does not sound good oh well they must have had that on the voyage yeah so on the voyage they had um a barrel of flour Mm. barrels of water pickled pork and herrings and all the herrings go oh, off right. and there's this scene where they're vomiting and the you know the her- herrings are going overboard yeah. there's a lack of food it's like disgusting squalid conditions on board that was so beautifully written as well mm. um and then my husband came home let's call him you know mr food because mm. he he's such a foodie and mr. i food. so creative sound <laughs> mr food mr food <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Food came home and I'm like, what's pickled pork? And he goes, 
it's corned pork, like corned beef. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I quite like that. I love corned beef. It reminds yeah. me of my childhood. My mum used to make corned yeah, beef same. once a fortnight. For really? Sure. Once yeah. a fortnight? Maybe a bit less than that, actually. With Because it was sauce? quite a fancy meal, actually. We definitely had it for my dad's birthday every year. Oh, That's his favourite dinner. In fact, dad would, when, after we'd have corned beef, actually we did have it quite often, um, then he would always make corned beef and pickle sandwiches. Oh, yum. We had them too. It's like a Reuben sandwich, bread. isn't it? Is that what a Reuben sandwich I is? I think it is. And occasionally I would say once a year we would get to school and dad always did the sandwiches in the morning that was his job because he gets up so early and he used to lay out all the sandwiches and make sandwiches for everyone's lunches lunch boxes and occasionally once a year you'd end up with dad's pickled pickles and corned beef sandwich instead of you know (laughs) cheese and lettuce which was the Fine delicacy of so which you I didn't was like, consuming in high school. You didn't like the pickles at school? No, and then you'd get there and you'd unglad wrap your sandwich and be like, oh, yeah. No, I didn't like it at all. And then I'd get home and Dad would be like, oh, I had a cheese and lettuce sandwich today. Who got my pickled sandwich? And, and I'd say, oh, I got it. He goes, did you like it? I'm like, oh, throw it in the bin. And he was like, oh, what a travesty. <laughs> And then he'd talk about it all week. Can't believe you didn't oh, eat the pickled that's the corned so beef funny. sandwich. Corned beef's expensive, you know. <laughs> Could he have just taken the pickles out like a Macca's mm, burger? Yeah, well. That's throwing the, them on a window or I don't something. think I, so now I would kill for a pick, corned beef and pickled sandwich, oh, right? No, How beautiful. Especially made by someone else. Oh, on white bread. Oh, oh yum. yum. My mum loved putting things like tabbouleh in our sandwiches, yeah, which is fine, soggy. but then you'd have tabbouleh breath. Oh, no good. Don't, did you have any friends, Sally? Oh, not many. <laughs> but the friends I had I teased me did. about the tabbouleh. <laughs> oh, no. Do you know what my dad did? So he didn't ever do our sandwiches. Mum did that. But sometimes, you know, did you have the lunchbox where you'd have the frozen drink in the middle? Oh, yeah, to keep everything cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So as a special treat when it was vintage because he was a winemaker, he would just go to the tank and get the grape juice out. And oh, put it how in. Great. What a gorgeous yeah, thing to remember. The grape juice gets hot in the school bag, ferments. Oh, oh God. And Explodes. becomes alcoholic oh. at school. So I think this explains why I oh, wasn't the best student. Yeah. The drunk, smelly tabouli girl. <laughs> Maybe I had no friends. What a lovely thing for your dad to do, though, he thought. He's doing the right thing by his girls. Yeah, the grape juice, 100% sugar. So do you make corned beef? Yeah, we do. Yeah. Um, we well, get pick, it. What do they call um, it in that? I don't, like know. Pickled, I don't know if there's many vegetarians listening, but mm. when we kill a beast, mm. like we don't kill it, but the butcher comes, the mm. mobile butcher comes. and um, Oh, because Sal has a farm out um, in western New South Wales. Yes. Uh, Central Western New South Wales. And um, it comes with <laughs> corned there. beef. Yes. So the butcher makes, um, must be the brisket, is it? Yeah. Into the corned beef. Oh, so he makes the. He makes it and you just have to literally put brine. it in the water. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Um, but then I bought some beetroot this week mm. and because it's, 
Uh, there's heaps of it mm. on special. Mm. And I just left it on the bench because Mr. Food mm. just comes home and can't bear to see anything going off. So he actually pickled them oh. and it is so yummy. I've got the recipe. Yeah. Um, it is so good actually. And we put Yum. them on salads. Uh, beetroot's one of the ones that you can pickle, I think, that doesn't just taste like pickle juice. Don't you think sometimes you eat things, yeah, that have been pickled and you're like, it, this could be anything. It could be cucumber, it could be tomato. Like it all tastes the same. But beetroot like yeah. would have a maintain its beetrooty taste, I would imagine, yeah. and texture. And it's really easy. You just kind of boil them, take the skin off, put chuck some cloves and some. Hang um, on, no, tell me again. So how am I okay. making it? So you wash and cook the beetroot in water first. Yeah. Then you take the beetroot out and the skin just slides off. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, you know if you cook them or actually, do you know what my trick my mother-in-law told me is you wrap them in alfoil Mm. and bake them. Yes. And then when you take the alfoil off, the skin just comes off with it. Yeah. Um, But so you don't do that. You just cook it in water. I do that alfoil trick when I'm doing them in a roast and I put the alfoil in the roast so that everything doesn't turn pink. Oh, that's a good Yeah, hack. and then you take out like your chicken, roast chicken or whatever with all the veggies around it and then you take and the foil's just sitting on the top and you take them oh. out. Yeah. Do you cook the roast with the meat in the same tray? Or all that's in one tray. Oh, do you? Yeah. Ah, yeah. so then all the juices. Well, then it's all just done. In fact, you know what I really want to try and we should talk about it on this because, um, you know, this is the only time we sit and talk about food, um, is putting the rice at the base of the roast tray. One of my neighbours oh. does that. She says, so before you put all so your veggies on, you chuck the all drippings. the rice on it. Yeah, or you just and put some stock in if you're cooking a chicken, for example, yeah. you just chuck it all in. And then when you get it out, the veggies are in the one pan and the rice is at the bottom cooked. Oh, my God, I'm going to try that tonight. Yeah, I think that's clever. Oh, and then you're so not cooking good. anything else. <laughs> so do you put the rice in at the same time? Yeah, you just chuck it all. Oh, mm. Don't know, give it a whirl. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we'll report back next yeah, week. Thanks. Good. <laughs> it might have that um rice pudding texture to it though, but if you overcook it. It might also go um, you know, like in a paella when the rice gets yeah. all crusty at the bottom. Yeah. That may be delicious. Please let us know. Back to my pickled my, <laughs> yes, Mr. Food. not my pickled. Yeah, Mr. Mats. Food. <laughs> Mr. Food. Yeah. Um, so then in the saucepan you add vinegar, peppercorns, bay leaf cloves, mustard seeds, cinnamon stick and salt. This is after you've taken the skin off and, and you're boiling the water it. Off. Yeah, and it's like three quarters of a cup of oh, water right. as well. Yeah. Um, simmer for five minutes, strain that and then put it into the sterilised jars oh. and just put um, fill it with a liquid. A liquid, not? No, the pan. liquid that's the come liquid. from the pan. Yeah. Oh, so you just put it all in? Yeah. How many jars did you make up? Three? halved the did you halve the beetroots they probably or? were um nine beetroots oh yum yeah so when will you, you eat those get one mm. for christmas oh. <laughs> so we have them in salads um on burgers oh yeah yeah they don't taste too picky. no they taste delicious actually yum. you can actually pick up the mustard seeds and mm. they, it doesn't just taste like vinegar my grandparents used to pickle because they were they're quite old-fashioned well they're passed away now but they were very old-fashioned and they had a beautiful old garden and they their garden was not for playing it was a garden of produce and they would make all their own food everything all the time like they were doing Nutribullets before Nutribullets was even a thing and like she said my grandma would have orange juice on her 
wheat bix from the garden, like oh, with some, some water or something like gross. But like yeah. people are eating that now. At the time, I was like, oh we, my god, we so had that dirty. when we ran out of milk. Yeah, so um, they used to pickle a lot. They used to pickle tomatoes oh. and cucumbers. Did you have a cannery, like a can? No, they just did it all on their windowsill. Did you boil your jars before you filled them? Yeah, yeah, yep. okay. That was so all you what sterilize they were them. doing yep. a lot. Yeah. yeah, so you, I, you boil them in like the pan mm. and then use tongs to get them out and yeah, so it's sterile and. They used to also keep all the seeds. My neighbours do this actually. They oh. keep all the seeds. So if they plant a crop of tomatoes, then they would take the tomato the seeds out of the tomatoes wow. at the end of the season how good self- and properly do it. They weren't doing it just for fun. This is how they would manage their food for the year and then put their seeds in envelopes and dry them out on the windowsills. Amazing. Yeah, and then replant We should be going back year. to that. Well, I think a lot of people are. Yeah. Um, I would love to be. That book that I was telling you about last week, Costa's Garden, yeah, which I'm reading before, like, you know, <laughs> you give it, yeah, yeah, and um, that was a bit, that was like that as well. That's all about creating food that you know you can. Sorry, that's my son. He's just out and about bike riding. <laughs> just is he okay? Just checking in. Just gonna smash some chicken and chips, a few trans fats for lunch. <laughs> Um, yeah, so it's a beautiful way to live, I think. Yeah, I think so you can too. Manage it's all it. about slowing down. So we have a garden full of self-seeded tomatoes because mm. um, my sec- my middle child mm. is obsessed with tomatoes and she just will take a bite and then throw them in the garden and then a tomato plant comes oh, up. Why doesn't she eat the delicious. whole thing? Well, she does, but I think she just has so many in her mouth that some oh, kind of fall her. out. What a lovely oh. sweet treat. Did they talk about any other food in there? No, that's pretty much it. They do have a little bit more food. What um, a great way to preserve was, your food over the year. It was interesting talking about um, the food from, oh, actually the symbol of the pig was very, um, was throughout the book. Mm. So I wonder whether Hannah Kent maybe is a vegetarian because um the girls in the book befriend their pigs because they're oh. such nature lovers and nature is a huge presence in the book, almost like a character in itself. Mm. Um, and so they befriend these kids and their pigs, sorry, not mm. the kids, mm. um, and then the pigs are slaughtered for like a wedding feast or, you know, when um, on the ship when the morals were the morale of the ship was really low. Mm. They slaughter the pig and everyone's oh, excited. Oh, party. Right. But they, the process of slaughtering energy. the pig is, you know, quite graphic. Right. And the sounds of it and then, you know, as it goes on, it becomes more um, magical around mm. the pig. Um, so that I found that quite beautiful because, mm. I mean, a pig is such a beautiful animal. Um and like I was the pig, we were the pig. We stopped running. We were a marble. It was. It's. It's really amazing. And then they also talk about a wedding feast. Oh yeah. Which um, I'm just trying to find the bit about it. While you're finding it, do you do yeah. a good white sauce with your corned Ooh, meat? Yeah, yeah, I love white sauce. I do a white <laughs> sauce without cheese. Mine has flour oh. and milk. Yeah, it's just flour and milk. Really good. It's from this old-fashioned Italian book. You'll have Flour to and the milk, um, butter. That's what I use in mine. It's pretty much butter, flour, and milk. Because the cheese you kind of add at the end, don't you? Yeah, no cheese for mine, and I highly recommend it. It's really beautiful. 
Nothing like some beans with it as well on the side. Oh, I know. Or some cauliflower, white broccoli. cauliflower with you, oh, yeah. with the white sauce on the white cauliflower. I know, yeah. with the cheese in yeah. the oven baked. <laughs> that was a bit gross. I didn't enjoy that when I was, but I do like a bit of corned beef. Beautiful. Um, okay, so I'll read about the wedding breakfast with boiled parrots and new potatoes because in they didn't have a pig to slaughter so that they used Did you to say carrots? Parrots. Parrots. Like the bird. They're, they're not very meaty. Oh. In um, in Prussia, where they came from, even in lean times, wedding feasts had been extravagant. Giblet noodle soup, chicken, goose and duck, wine and beer and hot plum cake if fruit were in season. Mm. Oh, yum. Um, but even in, in Australia, the wedding party seemed um, content sucking parrot meat off tiny bones. Oh, oh. <laughs> parrots are so pretty. I know. <laughs> maybe I know. I, maybe visualize a quail or something. Yeah, look, it's a fabulous book. You would love it. Can I borrow? Absolutely. I would love to read that. I don't think um I don't think it's a book for everyone. So if you're a real um really analytical person, um you might not love it. Mm. Um but well, what do you mean by that? Well, as someone who really you know, doesn't believe in the supernatural. Oh, or, okay, right. Um, more realism. Yeah, more of, realism. Yeah, okay. Likes kind of more murder mystery. Yeah, kind right. Of books. Do love them. Yeah, but <laughs> this is this book is just so beautiful. It will stay with me for a long time, and it's a book that I will reread, mm. which I think is always telling about whether you love the book. Like I actually, there were points in it where I was going, I just. I'm savouring every page. I don't want it to end. Mm. And then when I finished it, I was like, I'm going to wait a few months and reread it. Yeah. Because you'll pick up on more things. Yeah, and beautiful. It's so full of rich with um, rituals and symbols that mm. is Sorry. really interesting. John's home. Someone call- yeah. oh. <laughs> Just in case you're wondering. Um, so t- should we move on to talking about a year of Sundays? Yeah, can we? Because you yes. just talked about that plum cake. That sounds so good. And I'm desperate to cook that plum jam in her book, which I haven't done yet. I'm going to do later yeah. in January. Because you were um, telling me the plums have yeah, a high higher pectin. natural pectin. Um, so it's hard to Have you up. ever done a plum jam? No, you've just done the marmalade. I've just not yeah. done the marmalade, but my mum has a plum tree. Mm. And um, actually... I dropped my middle child off at a party this week mm. and there was um, all this orange fruit on the tree because mm. we've had so much rain. Mm. The the mum who was hosting the party said, there's all these red fruits on the ground and I don't know what they are or where they've come from but they've never been here before. And there's beautiful tree in the background, I said, in the backyard. I said, that's actually a plum tree. Mm. You can eat them. And mm. she said, oh, no, I wouldn't do that. Oh. Anyway, I picked the plums for her and um, ate them. They were delicious. Oh, so she yeah. should make plum jam. You should just nick the plums. If she doesn't want them, make them yourself. <laughs> I, did, I did think about it, but I thought it wasn't oh, really rude. Cool. She already thought I was quite strange Brilliant. picking yeah. the plums yes. from her tree. Did you cook anything this week from that, Belinda, or the last couple of weeks from the Belinda? So Jeffers I week? cooked the lumberjack cake. I actually mm. gave this to my mother-in-law for her birthday. And, oh, um, beautiful. And, yeah, on your recommendation. Yeah. Did she enjoy it? Oh, she was so pleased. Yeah. She said she actually has um, a previous Belinda Jeffrey book and she uses it. There's a recipe in there that she uses to make her own pastry oh, and right. has you know, throughout yeah. for years. Yeah, right. Um, I love a lumber, lumberjack cake, especially the, you know, the caramel Yeah, topping. yum. I could just eat that Same. actually. 
Um, and it's got fruit and dates in it, which my kids love. Beautiful. So. I did the figs in there and the figs, you can top them, you can put them on top of yogurt or have them in for breakfast or something. They were so delicious. But I have to say it says cook it with a quarter of a cup of honey and a quarter of cup, a cup of melted butter. So oh. in the end. You're pretty much just eating butter and honey. Do you know what that reminds me of, that taste as well? It is divine and so beautiful and I highly recommend. Um, But the taste reminded me of a childhood delicacy of which we ate honey joys. Do you remember honey joys? Oh, yeah. And that was just basically cornflakes stuck together with butter and honey. Oh, yeah, it's that same. It reminded yes, me I of that. Do you remember? Do you remember? They joys. were yum. That way is like they're much more than the Cocoa Pop ones. Yeah, they? yeah, I'm not into the co- yeah. Um, chocolate crackles. Yeah, yeah, with the Kofa. Yeah, yuck. I wasn't into them either. No. Honey Joys are a winner. Oh, I might yeah. make some. Can I tell you about the cutest book that I've come? It's actually not cute. It's gorgeous. What is um, it? This book that I've come across this week. It is called. Country Dogs on Doorsteps. Oh my goodness. You're going to love it. I'm going to love it because I, I have love just ordered it online. Oh my God, doors and dogs. Like, it's gorgeous. <laughs> I like looking it's at dogs by the this, doors. It's by this photographer who's Australian, I think, well, she lives in Australia, in Sydney, called Suzanne Stevenson. And I follow her now on Instagram, and occasionally she posts some of the things that are in the books. She did um, David Bromley's dog, you know, the artist. Oh, yeah. And he's got this beautiful, like, um, how would you describe it? Like a bulldog kind of, like, gorgeous dog. Um, and she did the dog of Steve Cordoni, you know, the oh my God, um, I love amazing yeah, guy in orange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did their dog. Mm. It's so gorgeous. Um, did Gay Waterhouse's dog I down in Barrow. I wonder if she's also done because my dogs growing mm. up were in Wine Dogs of Australia. Oh, what? That's a book. It's a book. Wine Dogs. Because when you go to visit wineries, there usually is a wine dog yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. In fact, our dog Cabernet is actually named after a Cabernet at a Right, Cabby. Yeah. yeah. Um, how gorgeous. So what? Millie and Molly were in that. Oh, how funny. Yeah. So this. Really, they were really naughty because before the big photo shoot, mum had washed them mm. and blow dried yeah, them yeah. and everything. Yeah. And then they went and rolled in mud. <laughs> Always the way. <laughs> Always the way. These dogs, this idea I think came from lockdown and the oh, dogs were yeah. at the front doorstep. So she would go around and take photos of these dogs at doorsteps. I would totally buy oh that God, book. I would totally buy it too. Yeah. I can't wait to get That's my great paws on that. table book, isn't it? Isn't it Your such a – paws on that. Do you like that? Love it. Do you like it? Um, I cannot wait to read that book and I'm going to send it your way as well. I thought that you would absolutely love that. Um, yeah, so anything else? No, What's I think that? that's – What's up next week? Next time. Uh, Next time you're doing love stories. Trent Dalton's love Uh, stories. Actually, we're both going to read that, aren't we? I can't wait to share that with you. It is divine. I just adore that Will I sob in it? Yeah, I think you will. You'll cry. But in a good way. (laughs) Yeah. I've got to say some chapters I'm like, oh, that was lovely. And then the next chapter I'm like, oh, I don't spend enough time with my kids or my friends or, you know, I do. Sometimes when you read about love, you feel like that, don't you? You're like, gosh, how can I love deeper? Anyway. Oh my gosh, you should read Devotion. That is deep love. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it. It transcends. Uh, yeah, I can't wait for that. Well, have a lovely rest of your couple of weeks Thank off you. from the school run and all of that. And we'll see you next time. See you next time. Bye.